Yo, what's up? It's Kev with Atmosphere of CN. In today's video, I'll be interviewing ex Galaxy player Mike Randolph. In this episode, we'll be discussing his roller coaster career, going from community college to the LA Galaxy, and his time with the national team. How you doing, bro? How you feeling? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Man, I'm great. Sunday. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm in Devon, Colorado. Great city, bro. I just caught a great sunset. Mountains. I can't stop looking at the mountains. Yes, it's epic, man. It's beautiful. Yeah. Welcome, man. Welcome. And thank you for your time. Um, I'll start by saying that, you know, we got linked up through my boy Pablo Cruz, Pasadena legend, Pasadena baller. I've known that guy since I was six years old. He's someone I'm going to definitely have on the podcast. I feel like his journey and his career through the American system has been incredible. And, you know, we've kept in touch through the years. He's he's trying to get me to come to every team he's at. And <laughs> he's always someone that's looked out for me, you know, so shout out my boy Pablo Cruz. He's definitely a good dude. Um, I'm a huge Galaxy fan. I grew up watching the Galaxy, Mauricio Cienfuegos, Kobe Jones, Greg Vanny. I grew up 10 minutes away from the Rose Bowl. There are two seasons. I was, you know, with David Beckham, Landon Donovan, and I actually got to see your career. Uh, impactful on the flanks, very fast, just solid dude, you know. Uh, my dad loved the way you played. My sister loved the way you played. For me to have you on this podcast this early, is amazing for me, bro, as a Galaxy fan, and also just for, for this platform. I told you I want to build this platform to inspire kids, to uh, show them that we can get it. It can be done. Dreams can come true. I'm from Southern California. You're from Southern California. And your journey has been crazy, bro. Someone that has got it out the mud, someone that not got a handout. So I want to talk and about the journey, about your experience through soccer and love and passion for the game. Let's do it, man. Let's jump in. Cool, man. So you grew up in Chino Hills? Yes, sir. Went to Ayala High School. Um, lived there pretty much my whole life. Uh, did all four years of high school on varsity, uh, playing varsity soccer. Great city to grow up in. It was actually a pretty big soccer city as far as AYSO is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of where I got my start. Got you. Chino Hills, home of LeVar Ball, the Ball Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw him in the gym a couple times. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's a small city. Oh, man. There's only a handful of courts you can go to. You're bound to run into somebody. I, do you know Edder Ariola? Yeah, yeah. I play oh, with Edder on uh, Cal FC. Cal FC, yeah, yeah. He's someone uh, from Chino Hills, someone I grew up playing with, too. Great guy. Yeah. You know, I actually just reached out to him. Hopefully, we can record an episode soon because he's doing great. He's he's balled out, you know? And, and he's still living the dream, man. As of now, I feel like the system is a little... There's too many leagues, but I feel like when me and you were growing up, the talent was crazy. Up and coming club soccer um, was really a thing in Southern California. I, I feel like uh, I feel like the town to me, the town is the same. Like, the, like, let's say there's, you know, there's 10 players uh, that are like there's 10 players that are amazingly talented. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's one league. So you get to see everybody in the one league. But now there's those same 10 players still exist. They're just spread across, you know, two, three and four leagues. Mm -hmm. So every league is kind of kind of watered down a little bit, you know, like the league that's supposed to be at the top of the, the table, you know, teams from that league get, get absolutely smacked by teams <laughs> in a lower le level league. Right. Yeah. So uh, I feel like, you know, the amount of talented players hasn't changed because California is, is, is unreal as far as talent goes. Um, but, you know, if you go and watch a couple league games, you're going to see the talent drop just because all that talent is spread across so many leagues and it looks a little watered down. But to me, um, there's just as much talent as too many leagues. I hear you. And that's 
one of my biggest problems with American soccer is that we all know it, that the system is in shambles as far as the youth system, the college system, the amateur leagues, even the MLS is still not under one umbrella. It's, there's still nothing for a young player to climb up the ladder and just to have a direct blueprint and how to be successful in American soccer because of stuff of problems like this. Like we, there's too many leagues that are just like, we're the best league, we're the best league, but no one is giving us, no one is giving players the access for free to play the game of soccer. So these leagues, instead of worrying about who's the better league, it should be more of a mentality. How can we be the best league to give access to the bigger, broader audience. Because like you said, there's so much talent, but it's not under one magnifying glass. And if it's not like that in California, it's not gonna be like that in Texas or in Florida and all across the country, you know? Right, well, somebody's, somebody's gotta take the lead, you know what I mean? It, it comes down to, to money. That's everybody wants their credit because the, uh, the pie. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, um, that's why you're not seeing uh, a funnel, right? Like. Kids go from here to there to there and like a smooth streamlined uh, system. But yeah, it just comes down to money and, and everybody wants their piece of the pie, man. Yeah, it's sad though, because we all know, though, I mean, it's known that there's money in soccer, especially now more than ever, you know, with social media, the marketing, all these players are Instagram stars, you know? So it's a marketable sport in America and it's also a very hipster, cool sport around america right right so there's ways to make money in this sport but we have to do we have to be i understand we're a capitalist country and business comes first but let's do business the right way you know let's just like the rest of the world they invest in their talent they grow their talent and then they sell it to the big superstar leagues why don't we do that we have the best athletes we develop them here in america by americans not even by Americans, by people who grew up in the American system like me and you, someone that's seen every single level. I feel like there's no need for us to bring a, a foreigner to tell us how to play soccer when we have everything that we need as far as potential, resources, athletes, and experienced players like you that have graduated from the system. In the last 25 years, we kept hearing soccer is growing in America, soccer is growing in America, and these big clubs are throwing the word development this, developing that, and they're promising that they're going to take your kid to the college level, which is, I don't believe that that should be our number one priority, but I feel like there's so much that needs to be reformed for us to get on the right track, to head into the right direction, to, to become this powerhouse that we can be. I, I, I agree. Um, the biggest issue is the, uh, the process in which, you know, people go for, to making it to the league, right? Like um, the, pro- the reason why you're not seeing it the same like while we're not seeing in the u.s the same way it's been seen in in europe because of the they they kind of treat it like they do football or basketball or baseball you have to go to college to get drafted right you have to do all these things and i mean the reality is even in like basketball and football some of the best players to to do it didn't have the greatest grade right and so at the end of the day you automatically cut out a bunch of people with an enormous amount of talent um, and that's even before you start talking about club and the fee. Yeah. That's after you start about club and fee. So, uh, yeah, man, like the, the way you get to the league is tough, man. Cause like, let's say you're a baller, right. But you don't have the grades to get in the UCLA. You don't have the grades to get in the Stanford, you don't have the grades, but you have a grades to get into a D3, you know, or a D2 in the Midwest or something like that. And you're a great player, but no one sees you. Yeah, you know what I mean, but but you could be the same player playing for an amazing, uh, amazing school, 
get drafted super high. That's all she wrote. So, um, so yeah, it just it's just a, a difficult system the way we've got it set up right now. But yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to convince people to turn against money. You know, I feel like it's. Have you seen Mr. Deeds? You know, we're at a point where we have to convince the big corporations, the federation, all these people that are making money to stop making money for a little bit, you know, and then let's give access to the everybody soccer and then develop great talent. I feel like, it, you know, that's a big Mount Everest to climb, but man, we're still young, bro. And I feel like in, in this day of technology, we can connect the dots and we can get the right people in the room to start turning the wheels, you know, because it's 25 years, bro. I've graduated from the system. I grew up in the system. I love this league and I don't see it going anywhere. No, man, it's, 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 it's came a long way, man. Like uh, mm. the league didn't make money originally. Like they took a loss like every year. I think it was like up until like, I think it was like 2006 or seven or eight or something like that. Mm -hmm. The league took a loss every year and they started to, like turning with profits. So it's coming in a big way. You can see it in some of the salaries going up. Um, you know, the bargaining agreements. Uh, I still think those can be better, but, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's coming along and, uh, but you know, still got a long way to go. No, I hear you. Let, let me, let me retrace that. I just, as far as our league, our growth, soccer in America, a hundred, we're, we're flying in the 25 years that the league has been up. The EPL is 200 years old. La Liga is 150 years old, but we've done in 25 years where we've come zero to a hundred and built all these stadiums and have bought in, have gone from 10 teams to 2016 is incredible. So we are definitely going in the right way. But I feel like what I was trying to say and what I'm frustrated is that we're not emphasizing or prioritizing developing American grown talent. I agree. I used to have a I used to have a saying with a with a friend of mine. Like if my last name, if I put Inyo on the, into my last name, like my paychecks would have been stupid. Yeah. You know, like it's the fact that uh, you know the league kind of respects. Uh, foreigners more than they do homegrown players it, it it's a little a little hurtful you know like i said like mm -hmm. there's guys who if they would have came came straight to like any any team in the mls and like hey what i want I, like i need a trial like x y and z they would get turned turned down even though they've been playing at a decently high level right like but if you go to europe and you come back you know what i'm saying the league the league will want you because other people want you so it's a lot of politics a lot of stuff that takes away from just talent you know and experience and stuff like that i feel like a lot of american players are lowballed a lot of hispanic players are lowballed like some of the talent some of these conditions i hear and some of these stories i hear about you know what goes on behind the scenes is crazy um but before we get into the mls bro before you know we get into the pros and stuff like that let's bring it back your college uh because you were, you were talking about grades you were talking about how hard it is to get a a an opportunity you have to ha you have to be pretty much the cookie cutter player to get into these d1 as far as like grades on the field how you play did you want to play college soccer or did you want to go pro i was just thinking about soccer man i was thinking about playing playing ball at the highest level um but college was just a natural progression to that like i wasn't thinking about it, it was just that's what you do next mm -hmm. so um just growing up i wasn't i, I didn't School didn't interest me much. I got gotcha. to my time doing other things. Um, and um, one of them was, you know, working on my game, working on playing ball, like being the best uh, player I could be. And in the process, right, I got lots of uh, scholarship offers, um, you know, 
talk about any major D1 out there, I, I got a letter from them. Um, but, you know, when it came down to it, I didn't have the grades. So I actually ended up going to Yavapai College. And in, in hindsight, it's probably the best idea. It's probably the best route I could have taken uh, at the time just because, um, man, they, they paid for everything. I, they paid for my books, my, uh, my room and board. They paid for meals. Um, all I needed was, like, some, like, you know, money to go out whenever I needed something at the grocery store or whatever. So that was cake. But, you know, if I would have stayed in California, I could have went to, like, a Mount Sac, which is um, equally as talented as Yamapai, uh, soccer-wise. But I would have had to pay for school. I would have had to do a whole bunch of things. And I wouldn't have had a real college experience. I would have been driving back and forth, coming home every day. Yeah. I got to be in the dorms, all kinds of stuff. So um talent wise uh experience wise yavapai was probably the best uh, possible situation for me yavapai that's in arizona community college yes sir so yeah i want to touch a little bit on the community college game um because you, you made some great points you know you want to go to one of those colleges that's gonna give you all the resources that, you, that you're gonna need to be successful and just focus on soccer you know so i feel like yeah you going out of state and you playing junior college instead of you know, D1 or at a Mount Sac where you're going to be, you know, have other distractions than just balling was, you know, obviously a great decision for those kids out there who are not getting highly, highly recruited, who don't are, you know, are kind of in a bubble or on the fence, whether, you know, you're going to continue to play soccer. I want to let them know that, you know, the junior college and the community college level is decent and uh, not even decent. It's amazing. There's so much talent in there. You know, if you're you're someone that's not getting highly recruited or someone that is highly recruited and just doesn't have the grades, you should definitely look into either going to play USL or going into a community college that's going to give you, you know, either scholarship or they're going to give you room and board and play at that level rather than just, you know, stop playing or trying to take a year off and then try to make it to a D1. I feel like for, it's so important to just keep playing. Like you said, like it's, you know, it's not really, if you want to be a professional soccer player, it doesn't really, school shouldn't be something you're worried about. Yes, you can go to college and yes, you can do it the American way. And that could be part of our culture. But if we want to brew the best talent, we got to encourage our talent to go to the pros right out, right out of high school, you know? So you ended up going to Yavapai, killed it. And then your life changed. Talk to us about a little bit about your season and the level and just any anything that you remember from your college. Uh, day. I did two. I did two years there. Uh, oh, I left years. my uh, I, I, well, three, three semesters. So I, I left on the fourth semester. But um, but yeah, I went my first year and uh, I did really well. Like uh, I think I had something like uh, like eight or nine goals as an outside back. Um, maybe a little more than that, uh, like eight or nine assists or something like that. So I had a really good season. Uh, I was taking free kicks. I was scoring pretty much at will. Um, and so because I did so, well, I think I believe I got player of the year for that that season. And then the following season, I lucked up and we ended up uh, actually uh, picking up uh, Roger Espinosa. So I believe he's still in, he's in Kansas City right now. Uh-huh. Um, Roger ended up playing outside back as well. So I was outside back my freshman year when Roger came in because we both played the same position, but I was a, little, a lot more like attacking minded. They yeah. put me as a left wing, him as a left back, and then we just wrecked the whole left side uh, all year. It was pretty ridiculous. Man. Um, but yeah, it was a good run, man. Uh, freshman year was amazing. Uh, didn't think I was going to do as well as I did. 
Um, but, you know, things kind of just fell into place. Uh, team was amazing. Coaches were great. And then the second year, just, you know, our coach, Mike Panaglione, did his thing and recruited some amazing players. And we went back to work and did even, did even better than the year we did before that. So, yeah, it was a good run, man. Yeah, man. Like, I respect for that. And, bro, scoring that many goals as an outside back is ridiculous. A lot, a lot, sometimes they say, well, you got, it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> right time, right place. So you did well there. And then you're, after your second season, you leave and you go off to the timbers yeah so uh after my sophomore year uh, i came home in december and my grades weren't that great so i was going to come home and do my final semester at a at a junior college at home just to get my grades up uh -huh. um and then transfer out community college is a two-year process yeah not a four-year process correct yeah yeah so um i still i still needed to get my uh uh, to get my degree so I could transfer uh, to transfer to the next school. So uh, I came home and while I was at home, uh, I ended up uh, one of my um, uh, old ODP coaches called, I'm not going to put his name out there because I don't know if this is getting in trouble or not, but uh, <laughs> but basically he called me and he was like, yo, like he's working at Chivas at the time. He's like, yo, like uh, come, come try out for the team. Like I want to take a look at you X, Y, and Z. So, um, and, that was coming off of a really good season. I, we were a finalist. Uh, yeah, we, we lost in the final in, uh, at the Nationals. Uh, so sure, I'm assuming he heard about it. So he asked me to come in. Um, I trained with them for about a week. Trained with Chivas USA for about a Chivas week. Chivas USA. Mm -hmm. and, who, who, who was on that team? Do you remember? And also long ago. Um, I think Ante Rozhoff. I'm not sure if Bornstein was still there. Yeah. Jonathan Bornstein, he started uh, there. Uh, I believe maybe Sasha Question was still there. Word. It was a long time ago. I, I don't. I really don't remember. But I came <laughs> in, I trained, and they liked me. But they told me that they they couldn't really do anything uh, with me roster wise, X, Y, and Z. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay, uh, cool. So I, they weren't going to say anything about eligibility. So I was just going to keep pushing. My game plan was the same to go go back to school. So yeah. So. You going on to train with them, you couldn't do that because you were still enrolled in school. Technically, yeah. I got school. you. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I, I go home and literally like a day or two later, uh, the Galaxy called me. Wow. And they, they tell me to come in. So I'm like, okay, well, I spy myself right, right, right back at uh, the Home Depot Center. And uh, I train with them for the next week. And things go well. And uh, Steve Sampson calls me in into his office and he's like yo we really like you but the way things are set up we can't really can't really sign but uh we you need a, a year of professionalism professionalism under your belt so i'm like okay so what does that mean he's like okay so what we're going to do is we're going to send you to portland and uh and if things go well up in portland uh we'll we'll, we'll bring you back and we'll sign you and so wow. that's that's kind of how that i ended up in portland at, at that point i was checked out of school like i was like oh, yeah I'll cool on school yeah. Um, and he gave me the opportunity to go play in Portland and he sent me up there with um, two other college kids who were trying out at the time who were uh, who were cousins. And and then one of another one of his uh, his players, that I guess, uh, uh, got released. Uh, but he's now um, doing really well. His name is Mike Insian. He's mm -hmm. coaching, uh, I believe, at Chattanooga, not Chattanooga, Oklahoma. Uh, but yeah, he all, all four of us went up there. 
And, uh, and that's kind of how, you know, I got to Portland. Dang. So you were bounced around, not really because you weren't good because you just, they couldn't sign you. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the, 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 the word I was given. And, you know, I'm young. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll yeah. just go flow. Um, and, and to be honest, uh, you know, it was really lucky just because, you know, that could have not been the case. Um, yeah. Also like, the thing that was crazy about it is like the game, the game is crazy just because it, it, sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's skill, sometimes it's great timing. So like when I was sent up to Portland, the other guys that had, that were sent up that with there with me, um, they had already been signed. They were all set to go. And it was like, I want to say like February, like almost Marchish, mm-hmm. And I hadn't gotten a call from Portland. I hadn't got a call from anybody. So like I started hitting up, uh, you know, the coaches that I talked to from the galaxy and they're like, Oh, like no one's reached out to you. So they ended up having to go and talk to the guys at Portland and they, they finally ended up sending me a contract and all the other stuff. But like, you're talking about like, I was going to school, but like I'd already basically like dropped out and yeah. no hit me back. Like it was a really stressful time. And like uh, it really, really messed up the timeline for me. So and you didn't have an agent at this time or did you? No. no. Oh, so that's even worse. So, you were literally just on hold. I was just, I was just sitting there twirling my thumbs, man, waiting for something to happen. Cause I'm like, I'm done with school. Like I'm not going back. Yeah. Uh, but no one's called me for a contract. And I'm like, so it's, it was a little bit of luck, uh, but it worked out. Man, I'm glad it did. How was the time at the Timbers? It was dope, man. Um, it was, it was the first, it was my first real like experience as a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned from a lot, a lot of guys. Um, who had been on the team uh, uh, previously. So I got to learn about the city. Um, I got to experience the, the Portland Timber fans and like yeah, as epic as as they are now, like it was dope. It, w- it was just as dope when there weren't so many seats, right? Like uh-huh. the stadium was much smaller. Um, it was actually converted uh, from a baseball field to like a part-time baseball field to a part-time soccer field. Uh-huh. Um, it was super dope. And the, the Portland fans, they're crazy. I love them. It was just a great time to be in Portland. And uh, like I said, I had a, I had a good time there just because I, I ended up playing a lot more than anybody anticipated. When I, mm-hmm. when I signed, I was the youngest guy on the team. I was 20. Everybody else had pretty much graduated college and been there for a couple of years or had been in the league for a couple of years. So everybody's like in their like mid twenties or uh, early, uh, late twenties. And so uh, when I got there, uh, before they even like gave me a, a shot they benched me like first game out the gate <laughs> i'm the only left for the guy on the left side and they, like didn't give me a chance i got really lucky uh go out the first game and the guy on the left side absolutely gets cooked the entire <laughs> like like it, it was it was bad it was bad and he's a, and he's a dope dude uh but he got cooked the entire time and so uh i i guess they felt like they couldn't you know do any worse by putting a young guy on there yeah once i played like it was i never looked back i played every game i was healthy for so wow the portland timbers have a great culture they have a great atmosphere up there and it's back to what we were saying about how the league has grown they're a city and a club that you know came out later on in uh in mls but what they've done in the last 20 15 years is incredible you know the what they build they've got a bigger stadium they have a crazy fan base well i feel like the whole city has been revolved around that team and you know you do have the portland trailblazers up there too but i feel like they're a they're a big boy in that city yeah like 
the Trailblazers at the time, like people went to games and they and they liked the Trailblazers, but the Trailblazers weren't particularly very good. Yeah. Right. So um, people went, but it was it wasn't like oh we're definitely going to the Trailblazer game. But people people showed up. We I think we got like somewhere around like five thousand fans. Um, and it, like I said, it was a baseball field, so they kind of cornered off uh, the section, and it was it was super dope. They had a beer garden. Yeah. And anytime we played uh, Seattle Sounders, which is also in a super epic organization as far yeah. as crowd and and uh, and rowdy fans, like it, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, it was nothing like like college. That's faster, <laughs> louder. Um, players were smarter. It was just a good time to to. Yeah, man, you were there so young, and for you to just go from a community college, bro to Chivas USA, LA Galaxy, Poland Timbers, do a year there. And then how do you end up at the Galaxy again? So um, that was like, like I said, man, sometimes it's better to be uh, lucky than good. So um, I get sent to Portland. And so with no, with, with like, like no expectations of coming back and being signed, like they say they'll sign you, but like who really knows? Yeah. So I go out there and I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm playing well. Midway through the season, they, they sack Steve Sampson. So like he's the, he's the reason why I'm in Portland, right? So I'm just like, uh, like I'm devastated. Like I'm literally like, <laughs> like this can't be real. Uh, so I'm like, you know, forget it. Like, you know, I just got to figure out something. So I keep working. I keep working. Uh, at the end of the year. Wait, wait, so at this point they haven't signed you? No, the whole the whole stipulation of being sent to Portland was if you do well, when you're done, we'll sign you. Okay. The, the stipulation was like, okay, like, hey, if you do your thing, uh, when you're done, we'll, we'll, we'll sign you. I'm like, bet. So <laughs> I went up there and handled my business, but now Steve is sacked and I like, I'm just sitting there like <laughs> my hands, in the, hands on my head trying to figure out what, what's next. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, forget it. I'll just, I'll just crush it. So I keep doing my thing, keep working. Um, and at the end of the year, uh, I'm, I end up being runner up, uh, well, a finalist for rookie of the year. Wow. Like one of, I think I was one of three or something like that. Who won it that year? Cameron Weaver. I want to say he was uh -huh. like six, four. He's a forward. Like we, when we played against him, anything in the air was his, like yeah. they would be crosses and he just smashed him in the back <laughs> of the head and the back of the net. Like it was nothing. So, I think he had like 12, 15 goals that season. Uh -huh. um, so I was never going to win that. But, you know, as a defender, you know, at 20. Yeah, yeah that's not bad at all. It's funny you said that. Uh, <laughs> I was never going to win that because I feel like America and the MLS love stats. And no matter what player you are, if you got 15 <laughs> goals, you're number one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and honestly, like, I, like I, I don't remember, like, I remember Cam scored a lot of goals. And but like I don't don't remember him being like super shifty. He was just yeah like, super tall and he knocked everything <laughs> down. Like it was absolutely crazy. So um so yeah like I did well. I ended up getting like a runner up rookie uh, well, finalist for rookie of the year. And then uh, literally the season ended on like a like a Friday or a Saturday or something like that. Um, like last game. So I literally got a call uh, the next day that I had to be back in LA because LA wanted me to come and train uh wow me. so i hop my car pack all my stuff up and i i i, I hoof it down to la How excited are you by the way because uh, landon donovan th th this is big time so this is before they signed i mean uh before they signed beckham oh wow okay okay so, 
so I'm already on a high because I like I didn't know what I was going to do after the season because I only had a one year contract. I mean, no, no one at Portland was in your ear like we're going to resign you. They had been talking about resigning me like the entire year. So like I, w- like I wasn't getting paid very much because I was the youngest guy on the team. Like I, I didn't go to a big college. So they kind of shafted me on money. So but I was like, whatever, I just grind and, and, and figure it out. So the whole year, the coach had been telling me, and he was also the GM. He's like, "Oh, like, oh, I'll, I'll hook you up. With, I'll hook you up." And then, you know, nothing ever happened. Okay, like a new new contract, like three, four times. And I, after a while, you just kind of like, oh, I don't know why you keep bringing it up, but okay. Yeah. So, but I still hadn't signed anything. Season ended, and uh, oh, and by the end of the season, I had actually signed with an agent. So. Uh, a couple of the guys on the team who had uh, who had an agent. Um, I guess he had been watching their games and even uh, our games and even watching me play. And so he asked them about me. And so I didn't have an agent, but I figured you know I might as well get one. I didn't know anything about agents. Uh, and so I ended up signing with him. And so he was the one who contacted me about uh, getting to LA uh, quickly so I could uh, train with them for the week. So, but yeah, I was buzzing all the way home, man. It's like a fourteen-hour drive. Give or take, man, cloud nine. Like, I bet, bro. It's a, it's such a beautiful drive too. That whole scenery down the west coast. Yeah, man. I've never seen so many trees. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, but yeah, and then I had a week to train with them, and the deadline to sign players was at the end uh, that Friday. So like, I came in on Monday, and they had to sign me by Friday. Friday. And so like, right after training, uh, they pulled me into the office, and they're like, "Yo, like, we like you, X, Y, and Z." Uh, we want to want to sign you. And wow. So, yeah, man. I signed at the end of that Friday, which was on the deadline. So let's say they didn't sign you that Friday. What were you gonna do? What was your plan? I didn't know, man. Like <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna figure it out because, like I said, like school was out at that point. Portland was an option, um, but I, I I wasn't looking past like the next day. Like I, I was literally just like, I got an agent now. That's his job. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> my butt. And try to get to where I need to go. So you get signed by the Galaxy, Southern California, your home. Were you a Galaxy fan growing up? I was, man. I was. Um, I actually uh, remember going to um, Galaxy games as a kid, and uh, I watched. I watched Kobe play. It was definitely uh, something else to be in the same locker room with him day to day, and watching how he would just like just be a goat. <laughs> like it's, it, it's, it's hard it's hard to say because like he, at the end of his career like he obviously wasn't moving exactly the same you know he's, he's got a lot of miles on him and stuff like that so it took yeah. a lot a little while to warm up didn't really have the same kind of like pep in his step yeah but once he got going the, the man could move yeah uh, his 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 wisdom like as far as like knowing where to take touches and creating space like it was just dope as a young kid to watch him yeah he's just a baller Man, a founding father of the MLS, by the way. Like, yeah. people forget. People don't give him enough credit. Kobe Jones, legend. He was the face of the league. He was one of the first African-Americans. Dreads, bro. He was not your typical cookie cutter. You know, that he was yeah. he was dope. And I remember I they used to train outside the Rose Bowl all the time. And this guy was quick, bro. Quick. Like, his directional was crazy. So, it's crazy that... You saw him, and then you actually got to share the locker room with him? But, yeah, every day throughout 2007, because he retired in 2007, even at the end, he was still fast. Like, he could beat anybody in a foot race once he got warmed up. Yeah. It took a little while to get the engine going, you know, but he was he was still dope, man. Soccer tennis couldn't beat him. 
Like ah, he was technical. It, it's it's there's little there's little tricks you learn along the way as, as a professional, and uh-huh. I I wouldn't say he was a super technical person. Yeah, because I don't I remember him being like just quick and he could score, bro. Like if once he picked once he started picking a momentum and he picked those speed, you were not stopping him. But I don't remember him being the most technical. So soccer tennis, what? He's nice. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like he was a he was a goat, man. He knew what he was good at. He knew what he mm-hmm. wasn't particularly good at. Like I I learned a lot about crossing from him uh just watching him how he maneuvered man like but soccer tennis couldn't beat him man like that's crazy literally smack all the rookies and laugh the entire time because he was just having a good time it's good to see him you know still with the galaxy i would love to get him on the podcast eventually once this grows a little bit because he's a go him mauricio cienfuegos bro you get to the galaxy you sign with them. Tell us a little bit about the experience, the difference, you know, between Timber, the Timbers and Galaxy. What was your first? At this point, this is only your second year in the league. Yeah, I played a okay. full year at that point. Um, but the team, the all the guys considered me a rookie. So, like, in Portland, I had rookie duty, right? Like, you have to carry the ball, you have to do this, you have to do that. Yeah. And then when I got to L.A., um, you know, obviously all the incoming rookies come in and – in my mind, I had served my time, right? I did my time. I, I carried balls. I, I carried water. And they were like, nah, that don't count. <laughs> so I was basically a rookie all over again. So, but I, I didn't mind, man. You know, it's, it's dudes you got to pay. And yeah. so uh, I, you know, I did what I was supposed to do, man. Picked up balls, pennies, water bottles, whatever they need to get done. But, yeah, man, I uh, going into my second season, it was it was definitely uh, back rookie duty all over again. But um, the speed of play, man. Um, the players weren't necessarily faster. They they, they just process things quicker, uh-huh. um, and you, like that was part of the learning process for me. Because like at college, we like at at uh, at Yavapai, we had played against D one schools and we had beat them, right? So like for me, the speed of play at that point wasn't wasn't too difficult to to keep up with. Like I was yeah. like, okay, whatever. Uh, when I got to Portland, the speed of play was faster. But it it wasn't too difficult to adjust to. It didn't take me that while to adjust, uh, that long to adjust. Uh, when I got to the Galaxy, it took me, I want to say, three, four months to really catch the speed of play. Wow. Who, who was on that team, on that roster, though, that year? This was 2007? Yeah, 2007. So you had uh, Tyrone Marshall, uh, Pete Viganis, um Pas- Pasadena legend Pete Viganis, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he's a dope dude, too. Tyron Marshall, elite, bro. One yeah, of the best he, center backs we the Galaxy's ever had. The funny part is he actually like lived in Chino Hills. So like I didn't know at the time. Uh-huh. But like he lived like maybe like two, three miles from me. Yeah, so it was super crazy. He's a dope dude too. Um uh, what uh what was that? Chris uh Albright. Mm-hmm. Um, Curly hair. Yeah. He was he was a baller. He's a baller. Uh, I think Hercules was still on the team. Hercules Gomez, baller. The stat, uh, Alan, Alan uh, Gordon, he was there. That guy can score, bro. That guy had yeah. a good career too with yeah. the Galaxy, and then he went on and still he killed actually, it. He actually went to Yavapai College too. Yeah, I think. Dang, so, you, so Yavapai is a big powerhouse still. Yeah, man. If you, gotcha. If you, if you Google like MLS players like uh, from Yavapai College, a lot of uh, players come up. Um, they need a they need a last chance you they really do man they really do uh the coach just retired i think he did like like a little over like 25 years wow so that's dope yeah mike Pantheon is a legend uh in his own right um there are quite a few 
quite a few guys on that on that team um, who 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 warmed up like at the time like Hercules Gomez was kind of like he he wasn't who he ended up to be like mm-hmm. he kind of took a little while to heat up and then after he left he started catching some momentum I think he went to uh, uh, to another MLS team and then went to Mexico gotcha because um, he because he went because after he left it took him a year or two to get hot. And then he got hot and then went to Mexico and got cashed out. Landon Donovan's not on that team yet? Yep, Landon's on the team. How was that? How was that being around that guy? Because he's a legend, bro. MLS legend, U.S. soccer goat. He was he was quiet, man. He was a very quiet dude, but um, amazingly talented. Like, not enough people give him credit for his his abilities. Like, And it's mostly because he, he didn't show it on the field as much, but... Mm-hmm. When you watch highlights, Landon, a lot of times, like you know, his goals are like tap ins, or he walks the yeah. ball in, you know, mm-hmm. back people. But he could shoot left, right foot outside the box, like put on a rope, top top corner, yeah, like extremely, extremely uh, uh, accurate left or right foot on top. Like it was just, it was unreal. But you know, unfortunately, he didn't use it as much as he, I, I thought he should have. But he was one of the best players I'd seen play like today. Yeah, man. He's, he had a stellar career from the beginning. He killed it at San Jose with the blonde hair. Then went to the galaxy and just stay there. And they broke out a few rings. And then last time I seen him, I I actually randomly was flipping through channels and he was playing indoor pro indoor. Yeah. Yeah. In San Diego. So what, what a legend, man. Yeah. I think he's coaching in San Diego now. He is. He is. Uh, how did David Beckham come in the picture? And so, so I had signed uh, in like September of like '06. Mm-hmm. So we go through the season, and the season was already on a, on a downward trend. Uh, we needed to do extremely well just to make playoffs. We didn't, um, so that was what it was. But going into the next season, the uh, the team had signed Beckham. And so they had done all this promotion and stuff. And like, it was this huge, um, it was this huge like rollout for him. And so, um, and it was super crazy. Cause like year and a half earlier, a year and some change, uh, world cup qualifiers. I want to say it was world cup qualifiers or something or some tournament. And I remember, uh, I was watching, uh, him play for England and I was like, Oh, that's, that's dope. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, a handful of years later, a couple years later, I'm, I'm on the same team with him. So it was just, it was super dope to like go from sitting in a dorm room watching him ball to like, you know, sitting across from him. That's crazy, bro. How is he as a player, as a person? Because for those that don't know, he was like the first like superstar MLS signing. They gave him 250 for five years or some crazy amount of thing. And that's what changed the league. That's what brought in the a DP uh, rule and it changed a little bit as far as like the structure of the league. So from your experience, how has that affected the league? Do you think it, was it good? Was it bad for the league? I think it was dope, man. Like it put the the league in like in the same category as football and basketball. Cause like mm-hmm. at, at the time as a you know professional athlete, you could walk down the street and no one would know who you who you were unless you were Kobe, right? Unless you were mm-hmm. Landon. And even then, you could walk down the street like no problem. I think that was what um what Henri was uh, excited about moving to the states about, right? Like yeah. you can't walk around in England on a like go to the grocery store, but here like he walks around, no one no one knows who he is, and that that was kind of the thing. But with David, 
he came and he gave the, the, the league a lot of recognition. So um, people may have not known who I was, but I was wearing a shirt, like, oh, he played for the Galaxy. If we're at a, uh, at a bar or something, oh, he played for the Galaxy. They instantly kind of, oh, you were on the team with uh, David Beckham. Like, he gave us a lot of clout as far as the team and the league is concerned. So it was dope, man. It opened a lot of people's eyes to to the game. Definitely. I, I Like I said, like I've grown with the league since 96. So when that came around, I thought it was dope. David Beckham was cool. He was an icon, long sleeve, tatted, something just different from the MLS. So yeah. I was excited. I was like, man, if more players like him come, this this league's going to be lit. Yeah, man, it was dope, man. I learned a lot uh, a lot from him, learned a lot from uh, from Rude, uh, Ante Jazik, who uh, was a Canadian national team player, outside mm-hmm. back. I, like I, that whole that whole year and some change, man, uh, I learned a lot, man. It transformed my game into being just a, a college player to being a professional. I got you. And this is only your third year in MLS. Yeah. So how do you guys do that year? We did better, but still not great. <laughs> I got you. We did better, but still not great. Yeah. Um, and so at that time, um, you, know, uh, you know, the expectations for, you know, a league with someone – who has their Beckham on their team, it, you know, wasn't uh, ideal. Uh, were to yeah. win. Um, but that, you know, they were pushing a lot of, he wasn't the player that they were trying to, they were hoping he would be, right? He's a, he's a, not a playmaker. He's got someone who helps uh, mm-hmm. with balls, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's not that through ball finish, you know, beat three people kind of player. So mm-hmm. um, I think what the, the role that they wanted him to play was different than the role that he was, you know, built for. For him, it must have been a crazy different adjustment because he was coming from what Manchester United, Real Madrid, where he was just in the middle as an anchor, just distributor, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure for a lot of people who didn't understand the game, you know, they were expecting goals, hat tricks, and all of this from him. You know, he's not that type of player, but he did whip in those those free kicks still, bro, in the MLS. Nah, I, I, I've still yet to see anybody do it better, man. Uh his his first touch, his ability to like whip balls in on on a rope. Uh, he kicked. Like, I remember we were doing crossing and finishing, and he hit a ball. Normally, you hit a ball and you whip it in here. The ball was the ball played out to him was really slow, and so instead of taking a touch and putting it in front of him, he just hit it first time, but he sliced it. And so instead of the ball this way. whipping in, it came like like that. No. <laughs> it was the nastiest thing I've ever seen. And so I asked him after after the training, I was like, yo, like, how did you do that? And he's like, do what? Like, he didn't even remember it. Like, it never even crossed his mind. Oh, wow. It's just natural every time, that right? Easy. Yeah, it's just that easy. Wow. So, what an experience, bro. Yeah. And you're 22 at this age, right? Yeah. Man, what a, what a dream career, bro, to go from Chino Hills to community college to three good years in the MLS, David Beckham, Kobe Jones, Landon Donovan. Yeah, I did. I did one. I did one in the with Portland, which is, was USL technically, right? And oh, they weren't. They weren't in the MLS yet. No. So oh, okay. I got you. So, I, I, like I said, I literally worked my way up. What's crazy about your pro career is that you're at your peak now, right? With right. David Beckham in 2008, but you get released by the Galaxy after the season, no? Yeah. So, um, I actually. So that 2008 season, I actually like uh, had a great season. Personally, uh, we didn't do particularly well as a group, but personally, I did well. 
Um, so I got called up to the U23s. Mm-hmm. So I go out with the U23s. There's four camps. I make all four camps. So apparently uh, I was projected to make the team. Like the way things were going, I made all four camps. Um, you know, a lot of guys got brought in, got sent home, first camp, second camp. So I got, I made all four camps and I was projected to make the, the Olympic team. Uh-huh. So I, I ended up getting a Nike deal out of it. Wow. Supposedly, you know, uh, allegedly, um, you know, there, uh, there were EPL teams looking at me um, and it all kind of hinged on me making uh, the, the team. So I go out there and the last camp I end up, uh, they split the teams into two and uh, all of the, all of the, the guys who are on the, the men's team at that time, who are on the first team were all on the same team. So like it was kind of clear cut who was like considered the first team and who was considered the second team. Yeah, I was with the guys who were considered the first team. So I'm super hyped. I'm like, cool. Like this little last game. Yeah, the session, and they make their decisions of who stays, who goes. I'm not gonna lie, a lot of those guys are my boys, but they kind of like, kind of took it easy that day because they were like, oh, we made it. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're already playing on the first team. Like who else is gonna take their spot? Yeah, me and a couple other guys who were on the first team had never been with in the national team system yeah so we end up getting smacked three zero. Oh no we end up getting smacked three zero so they literally take all the guys who who had never been in the national system before and they were just like you guys are done yeah so I was sent home uh and it was it was it was yeah it was a little bit of you know guys really kind of like going through the motions and guys really like pushing to make the other team pushing to make their you know uh, yeah you know make that make a case for themselves and so they did so uh so i didn't make the team um i come back and i got a i got a couple offers on the table from different teams uh in europe and one of the teams was training in florida so we're going into preseason now so it's january going to preseason and i had this issue with my my groin and uh it didn't allow me it didn't stop me from running it didn't stop me from doing anything except for hitting long balls. Uh-huh. So it was, it was really, it was a really weird injury. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't hit a long ball of power, but I could run, I could change directions. I could do everything. So I'm talking to my agent, like, man, should we go? Should we not go? And Bruce Arena was like, uh, if you go like, and things don't work out, like you come back, I'm not going to play you. So I decided to stay and I was like, okay, I'll stay, figure yeah. things out and, you know, get healthy and then maybe leave in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then while I was injured, they cut me. No. Yeah. So they cut Why? me. Bruce, Bruce Arena was a, was a new coach, and a lot of new coaches like to put their, their stamp on the game, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't particularly well. Um, he just house clean? Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to put their stamp on things, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is how – this is my team. This is my guys kind of thing. And so they had uh, brought in a couple players and drafted a couple players and – you know that was those were the guys he wanted to go with which is totally fine but you know like i said he cut me while i was hurt so uh i sat out a week and then uh seattle called me ziggy smith wanted, wanted to see me because he, he he had liked the way i played and whatnot now he's a big timer so it was dope to get that call up so i rested a week hoping like my groin would like feel better when i got to seattle like it actually made it worse like i couldn't uh-huh. hit long ball i couldn't change direction it was just really really bad so um, 
so I ended up obviously not making that squad. So I sat out uh, a couple months and then I ended up uh, joining a, a EDL team, uh, LA, LA, LA Legends. LA Legends? Yeah. And I've actually run across the, the Farfan twins. Oh my God, bro. SoCal Legends, American Soccer Legends, two of the nastiest soccer players, period, bro. Yep. I played against Gabriel Farfan. Um, he was at UNC. That kid gave me a headache all fucking game. He won't stop moving, bro. Yeah. What a baller. Yeah, so they, they were in college at Fullerton at the time, and they needed something to do during the summer. So mm-hmm. they killed it. I was running up and down the line. Um, yeah, man, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun, man. We just went up and down, just annihilating people, man. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> so you go to – and this is a PDL team, so this is not a professional team. No. So after after that, um, I kind of got my bearings back. Uh, my, my groin was good again. Um, and so at the time, my agent, um, you know, doing what agents do, talking a good game, saying he's going to get me here, get me there. Yeah. So I couldn't wait any longer. So I ended up um, getting this call from uh, one of my coaches and he he uh, he sent me uh, he ended up sending me to Germany, not Germany, I'm sorry, uh, Sweden. Mm-hmm. And so I had a, uh, I, I honestly I can't remember the time. It was like Sweden or Norway. So I had a, I had a trial out there. And so I went out there um things didn't work out they were looking for somebody taller um i'm like okay cool so i'm literally going like trying out for a couple different teams bro at this time i feel like you're like you're just nonchalant about okay i just kept it pushing did what was going on through your head like where you're not fresh because you're hurt you know you're coming off three good years not just professionally but with the national team and you know almost to the olympic team so this must have been a frustrating time in your career no yeah, it's frustrating, man. But like, I, I I grew up with the mentality of like, like, like no one cared, right? Like, it's just like anything else in life, man. You got a boss, you you get you going through this and that that at home. That's cool, but where's that report? Gotcha. Right? Like, like my condolences. But where's the report? Like, yeah. Like people really don't care about the, the stuff you got to go through. So I was like, you know what? Like, I just got to keep my head down and keep grinding. So. You know, didn't work out with one team. I was like, bet. I went on to the next one. Didn't work out with that team, bet. So meanwhile, um, I'm in Norway. I get a call from my boy, uh, Chuck Chitindu. Mm-hmm. At the time, he was playing for Chivas USA. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yo, the coach over here wants you to come, like, pull up. He wants you to come through. And this, I, I literally, I mean, it's like December-ish, January, December, January-ish. And so they're going into preseason. Mm-hmm. Maybe late January, uh, early January. We're going into preseason, and so uh, he's like, "Can you be down here?" And it's a Wednesday, and I'm like, "I, I can't be home till Friday." Uh-huh. And literally, like, literally, like, they're like, "Yo, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, or if you can't make it till Friday. We already got a roster, a roster full for the preseason. So, but, um, but if things don't work out with that, we'll we'll be in touch." I'm like, "Bet." So I end up coming home Friday, and. I'm literally sitting around for like a month and some change, like almost two months. And I'm trying to wait. I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to wait and nothing. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I end up signing with Miami FC. USL mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Yeah. To make, keep the ball, ball rolling, bro. I'm in Miami for two weeks and Chivas calls. And I'm like, yo, where you at? I'm like, 
bro, I'm, I'm in Miami. Where you think? <laughs> like, oh. yeah, it, it was just bad timing. Bad yeah. timing. And you were this. You at this point, you you were 100 percent fit and healthy. Yeah, um, I was fit. I was good to go. Um, and literally, like, it was all just I I needed somewhere to play. And Miami uh-huh. FC was was the place I, I had chosen at the time. Um, and so I went through that season. That season was a bit of a uh, roller coaster just because uh, the coach, you know, he, he had uh, dreams and ambitions of being uh, the super coach. And he had all these, he read out of books about <laughs> doing this and that. And it wasn't cohesive with Girl. what his team was and what his team yeah. was able to do. Yeah. Right, so we we ended up getting smacked, and I played you know a couple games here and there because I wasn't the the player that he envisioned for his team. Mm-hmm. So last like I want to say ten games of the season, I just said forget it, like I'm go back to doing me. As soon as I stopped listening to him and and doing my thing, I started playing better. Um, mm-hmm. They were happier with my play, and at the end of the season, they want to know why I hadn't been playing like that. It's because the coach wouldn't let me go forward. Yeah. He, he made me sit back and hang out and all this other stuff. So um, it was super unlucky, but that season ends. And at the end of that season, Chivas calls me back and they're like, yo, we, uh, season's over, like come and train with us. So pack up all my stuff in Miami. I shoot back down to, uh, to LA, train with Chivas and it goes really well, but they fired the head coach. Oh, no, man. Yeah. <laughs> So they fight, they sacked the head coach. And so like, hey, we really like you, X, Y, and Z. We, we think you're dope. Uh, just all, all pending on who they bring in. Yeah. So they end up, uh, they end up uh, n- never getting back to me. My agent at the time followed up with them, and the new head coaches uh, didn't want me there. And I believe it was like Frank. Um, oh, it's gonna bother me. Uh, Vanny was the assistant coach. Greg Vanny. Yeah, Greg Vanny was the assistant coach, and his uh, head coach was Frank something. But they, they, uh, Vanny didn't care for me that that much, I guess. So, what a snake coming from the galaxy for him not yeah, to put I, in I a played, word. I played with him, man, I, and I he didn't say nothing. Like no issues, no beef, no words. He but just he did. Like, yeah, he's like, I'll pass. Like, uh, yeah, that's. That's whack, bro. Bring, I don't care. Even bring me in. Yeah, bro. That's whack. You're how you're not gonna. Yeah. So it, it, you know, but like I said, no it's okay. Cares. Business. Maybe it was a business thing, you know. Right. So not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so 2000, 2010, My mom dies, and then so I'm like, okay, like I'll just stay close to home. Uh, you know. So I signed with the LA Blues for the season 2011. January 28th, my dad passes away in 2011. So, so literally, like, it, like, wait, lost what, what? lost both parents in the span of like less than a year, like nine months. Bro, I just got chills. I'm sweaty as hell. What? Yeah, I'm so sorry, bro. I'm so sorry. I can, I can cut this out, bro. I no, no, it's, it's all, no, it's all good. It's the part. I, I didn't. I whoa, bro. That just fucked me up, bro. I'm so sorry, man. Uh, it's all good, man. It's the, uh, you 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 realize, man. Like it's it, this man. is things everybody's got to go through, right? Like no one's exempt. So I just happened to go through it pretty quickly in a short amount of time. Um, 
but but yeah, man. Uh, mom died in 2010. Dad follows nine months later in 2011. Uh, so I spent the next year playing uh, with the Blues, and uh, I did actually pretty well. Um, I, to me, it was probably my best season yet. Um, played with a lot of ballers like uh, Walter Gaetan, um, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of a lot of really great players, and we we did really good for the inaugural season, made playoffs. Um, I crushed it, scored a couple goals, got a, got, a, uh, got a couple assists. And at the end of the season, man, like, I got, like, nothing. Like, agent, wow. my agent at the time had, like, kind of pawned me off to another person. And so they were kind of talking to Orlando. Mm-hmm. And the coach at Orlando liked me. But I guess things didn't work out. And, like, that was the only thing they had on the table for me after having a great season with the Blues. Like, like it was crazy. And so uh, I ended up sitting out for like five or six months. Uh, and this is you grieve, grieving all that. Yeah, man. Like, so lost both parents. I turn around, finish the season, and now I don't have anywhere to play. Did you ever think about just quitting soccer and just, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the, the game, at the professional level, the game kind of makes you do that, right? Like, if no mm-hmm. one wants to sign you, you can't start your own team, right? I hear you. The game kind of kind of forces you into that scenario, and, like, you know, everybody's forced to give it up at some point. It just depends on when. You know, it could be year one, it could be year 15, but everybody's told to hang them up. So, um, you know, going into that, into that uh, that year, it was tough because, like, I, I thought I played well. Uh, I thought I deserved at least a shot to play somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't have my parents anymore. So, and then on top of that, like, I was banking on soccer to to make money, and so now I don't have a job. So I gotta I gotta pay rent. I gotta pay the phone bill. I gotta figure out a whole bunch of logistics as far as like you know what I'm gonna do at my parents' house, like a whole bunch of stuff. And so that was really tough, man. And so as I was, you know going through that process of trying to figure out what's next. Um, Eric Ronaldo calls me and he's a dope dude, man. Just for the simple fact, like when I was released from uh, the galaxy, he called me personally, him and uh, Alexi Lalas uh, called me personally and uh, told me that they thought I was a, a really good player and that, you know, I need to keep, uh, keep my head up and keep working. And that stuck with me, especially with Alexi Laws, because he didn't really care for me at the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's dope to, you know, see that my game could change somebody's mind like that. But um, let me yeah. say something about Alexi Lalas, bro, because I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> I have my, my personal opinions of him. And that's dope. That, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you had that experience with him. That gets to show you that guy is a human, you know. Yeah. So that's dope. Shout out Alexi Lalas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely a blunt, very upfront person. So like, you know, um, our it, it was cool to see him reach out to me like that. Um, so yeah, but like uh, Eric, even though we hadn't spoken over the years, um, he he had reached out and said, "Hey, I'm putting together this team. Uh, I think it's gonna be super dope. Uh, I wanted to be a part of it." And so I'm like, all right, like, you know, I needed something to kind of uh, kind of break up the monotony of, uh, you know, what I was going through. So uh, this, this is for Open Cup. Yeah. So like Calafi oh. itself was like doing little leagues like uh, uh, out where they're, they're at, like in like Thousand Oaks area. Like like with the fusion and stuff like that, right? Right. They were they were they were going back and forth in those leagues and they've been going for a while. But 
um, Eric wanted to do something different, different. And so uh, he brought me in, he brought Pablo, uh, Jesus, um, Edder was there, um, just a bunch of uh, ballers, bro. Yeah, who had who had kind of slipped through the cracks, and that's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning, where um, you got guys who don't fit the mold as far as maybe they didn't have the grades but had the talent, maybe they didn't fit the the look but had the skill, right? Like mm-hmm. Pablo's maybe what like five five on maybe. a good day. Yeah, maybe. But like on that field, he's at least six four. On the ball, he's at least six four, bro. Uh, but the the kid is nasty, and, like, <laughs> and he gets overlooked just from you know the eyeballs. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it was literally just uh, a team full of uh, guys that you know people kind of turned their nose up at, and we went in. We we came through and these smack teams. Like, uh, let let me say something about Eric Winaldo. I, I don't know him personally. Right. Uh, I, in my intro video for this podcast, I, I he's one of the pers- people I want to reach out and have a conversation with. Because outside looking in, I mm-hmm. saw that run. I saw the Cal FC, uh, FC team he put together. The Danny Barrera, Pablo Cruz, Jesus Gonzalez. You were on that team who were just absolutely filthy, who were overlooked. Aside from that, he's a U.S. soccer legend. He's someone that doesn't hold his tongue. He's someone that I think they should consider for president of U.S. soccer. I know he was trying to run a few years back, and I'm yeah. like, you know what? Maybe that's – we need someone like him to just go shake shit up and do something because he does have an eye for talent that gets overlooked for the Latino. He appreciates that Latino character, that that spice, you know? So what he did and what you guys did in that Open Cup run, for those who don't, Open Cup run is pretty much – how would you how would you explain the Open Cup run, bro? Uh, it's – one of the few, it well, maybe like one of the only tournaments where you know, uh, a pub team, right? Guys mm-hmm. who are sitting at the bar drinking beers have the 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 ability to, to play an actual uh top tier MLS team, right? Mm-hmm. And so, essentially, you know, it allows amateurs to play with professionals, and um, that's what I feel what's so great about the U.S. Open Cup that you know, you can't a little team. Sunday league team that is nice can actually go play MLS team and beat them like you guys had to run. And this goes to show you that if everything were connected, that little club team, that little pub team, bro, can get a community around and they, they know they have a slight chance to beat the Timbers or LA galaxy in the open open cup that will bring culture that will bring that we want to see in the U S because right now we don't have teams getting regulated or teams getting demoted. It's kind of, you get the same teams every single year, but if you know, there was a, you know, promotion regulation system between the USL or between or something, you know, I think people would be more interested in it. Even as players, you have something more to play for, but there is a hope that, you know, your, your little club can be a big club and one day be in the first division. That is what yeah. the whole concept of soccer is about everywhere else in Europe. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough, man, because, you know, these you, you got to think about it, right? Like, if you're someone who put, like, $200 million into a club, right, or mm-hmm. whatever it is to, to get a club started uh, in the MLS, and then, you know, another another person puts 200000 in, you know, and, you know, and they, and they, they, they come, they come through and, and they get a dub and all of a sudden they're right re- They're, uh, they're promoting you're relegated. Like, you're not going to be happy about that. Yeah. I understand, you know, but again, it goes back to us doing 
business the wrong way. All this comes, you know, because the owners don't really know what's going on. They kind of just want to throw money at soccer teams just because I know there's money, there's the market for it here in America. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely a flawed system. It'd be dope, but I mean, the closest thing we have to it is, is Open Cup. It's the one time that, you know, you can, only thing that matters is, is the result. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what was dope about, you know, the Cal C run, a bunch of guys who, um, who had a lot, loads of talent who, you know, teams overlooked because, you know, they didn't fit a mold or, or whatever their, their, uh, you know, um, however they felt about them. And we came and showed them, like, we played Kitsap. Kitsap was supposed to be uh, a super dope, like, PDL team with all these ballers on it. We smacked, smacked them easily. <laughs> right? We went to uh, Wilmington, uh, and they were in the USL. Yeah. Smacked them, right? We went to Portland, and uh, Portland actually did, uh, did had a lot of first-team guys on, on, the, on, the, uh, on, the, on their squad, and, you know, we got a couple of lucky saves, but we stayed in the game. And, and the reality is, like, they were way fitter than us. We, mm-hmm. we, we just hung in there. We got a goal. And then that was, that was all she wrote. We <laughs> took down Portland. We, were, we went to Seattle. We hung mm-hmm. with Seattle until, like, maybe, like, the 60th minute. And then they got a PK. And uh, then after that. Like, it was 0-0 up until, like, the 60th minute. So you're looking at guys who, you know – who weren't training daily, who were, were hungry, hungry to play. And at the end, of, at the end of all that, you know, we, we killed, a, we killed a couple giants, you know what I'm saying? Like um, that teams we weren't supposed to come. And so, yeah, it was, it was a do- super, super dope run. And uh, yo, USA scored. Oh, they put the tuck run away. Yeah. Three, two. Yeah. Yes, sir. Pulisic penalty. Wow. He comes through again. Let's go to kid, man. Sorry to cut you off. Go on. Nah, that's all good. But yeah, man, we had a had a historic run and uh it was super dope to be a part of that, man, because the the ride was unbelievable, man. A bunch of kids that nobody wanted to, you know, put the effort into. Just a Cinderella story, bro. And yeah. just to show you that anybody could be anybody, bro. You someone to have the eye or have the idea to put a team together like that shows you that. He, that guy, Eric Ronaldo, knows something, you know, he sees something and players, you know, I feel like we need people like that who have an eye for talent, like, like the Cal FC run, because that yeah. is an amazing run. And, and I was, I remember watching, like I said, I, I, cause Richie Menjavar was on that team too. So yeah. I was tuning in. I was like, bro, these guys are killing everybody. And then it was amazing because I really thought you guys were going to go all the way. And if you guys would have gone all the way, bro, that. That would have changed U.S. soccer history pretty much. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you, you could see that people were taking it seriously. Like, like Portland put up, put up the, their, their regular team. Like, they didn't hold any punches. Seattle did the same thing. Like, Seattle showed up with, uh, with, their, with, the, with the regular starting, starting team. No one wanted to lose to us. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if we were just, like, if we were, like, a PDL team or anything else, I think they probably would have, you know, still brought a strong squad, but not everybody. But no one wanted to lose to, you know. But the fact that's so whack that the fact that they had to bring in like the first team to make a point, you know, it shows yeah. you how crazy that run was. Yeah, no, it was it was, it was dope, man. Um, haven't seen anything like it since, man. It was crazy. Yeah. But that, you know, for them to still be 
in the open cup still killing team this shows you that that organization has something going on and it's something i'm definitely going to get you know cover because it needs it needs coverage the open cup needs coverage cal fc needs coverage talent like pablo cruz jesus gonzalez needs their stories need to be told because they're players that clearly can play but we're just for some reason not getting these opportunities and i don't know if it's because of race or size or it's just something we can't just keep saying oh we don't fit the mold you know uh, like I said, man, I, I really, I really think it's the fact that we're born here, right? Like, like if we, if you, if <laughs> I mean, we watch these guys uh, come from like different countries, they'll they'll be the same size as Pablo, mm-hmm. right? They'll yeah. be the same size as Pablo. I'm still signing for sign for Real Salt Lake. They'll still sign for you know uh, Kansas City. They'll still sign for Toronto, right? Like. Um, it's it's crazy to see stuff like that uh, when these guys can play, man. Like pop, like Pablo is one of the illest players to play, like to play the game. Like I, I would watch how he would like literally dismantle pe- like offenses without using a move, just stop and go, stop and just, go. Bro, he's yeah. so he's he's dope, bro. Like I said, like he's one of those players that. He was in residency. He was on the national team. And for you, that's a very interesting point that you bring up, bro, that American players' worst enemy is them being American. Bro, that's tough. <laughs> that's, that hurts, bro, because it goes to show that we don't take care of our players. We don't really care for the development or to fight for our players. So that's a very interesting point, bro. That's, man, it, it's crazy that doesn't even have to come th- whether you're african-american hispanic or white asian is just you're american and that's what's holding us some of these players back that's um that's mind-blowing to me that's a very interesting take bro when i was uh when i was with the galaxy uh, i forget what the guy's name is like matt something matt played for chivas and he was a forward and so matt like they chivas released him so he came to train with us the following week uh we didn't end up picking him up right um basically like you know for lack of a better phrase like the league didn't you know uh, didn't want him so he he left and went overseas he went to europe had had the time of his life scored a a, a gang of goals and got cashed out like like it's crazy like all these other leagues i think he was in like things in germany and like in like a division two team and crushing it maybe in division three he was crushing it yeah was making more money over there right it's it's it, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. You got to go over there and have them uh, respect your game before you can come back home. And right, man, like I said before, man, like you know, me and one of my friends, you always say, man, if I if I put Inyo on the end of my name, like you add a couple zeros to my check, and, and yeah. it's, it's a reality. Like guys will literally be um, extra average, but because they're European or or from another country, like they they get the benefit of the doubt and get stupid, stupid checks. Man. And I, I honestly believe, man, if you, if you sit down and you watch, uh, you know, a USL game um, or like, or when the NSL was learned around, when you watch the NSL game, like you can find talent, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is like, you know, I feel like the game's playing money ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there were guys I thought who were, unbelievable talents who could play in the MLS, but they weren't trying to pay, pay them money. Yeah. More money in the NAS, uh, NASL 
to chill, right? Uh, you got guys who are unbelievable talents, but you know they they get overlooked. Like Pablo, like Pablo, like I I, I mean I keep bringing up his name, but he could have played for somebody. Yeah, he's not the only one, bro. He's not. It's Pablo Cruz, Danny Barrera, Richie Menjivar. They're look. They're all three similar, crazy talent. You know, but never got a chance because maybe size, maybe because of demographic, maybe because of something. But these guys, one, Danny Barrera is still playing. Richie's still playing. Uh, yeah. Pablo's still playing. So the fact that they've been playing 10 plus years and not one time they get a call up to an MLS team is mind blowing because not they're not just getting the respect from me as a fan, but they're getting respect from you. I mean, but the reason why they've been able to play so long is because they have quality, right? Like, yeah. You know, no one, no one's gonna sign, you know, scrubs to their team so they can lose. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying, man. Um, it's a, it's super unfortunate. I think the way that we have to go outside of the U.S. to get get respect and then have to come back mm -hmm. um, when, like, like I, I think I, I said this the other day, man. Like my uh, my final year with Atlanta, um, I, I let go of my agent. And I told my like I'm gonna you know do this myself. So I put into work with a friend of mine. Um, she hustled and uh, you know put herself out, out there as like uh, as uh, as my agent. And so we started emailing people. We put together a highlight tape, and based off that, I had eight offers, uh, potential offers from uh, MLS teams, and like another not uh, eight or nine from uh, from NASL teams, right? But if but if I were just ask them straight up, like hey, like like what's up? nothing right like yeah i'm doing so so well in this league but you no one notices so it yeah me to put together a highlight tape and reach out to people and then they'd be like oh okay like you got some talent we'll we'll take a look at you we'll bring you into preseason we'll we'll offer you a contract i wouldn't have to do that in europe right like you wouldn't have to work so hard just to be just to begging people to to take a look at at your highlight tape yeah it's crazy man it's like the there's so much talent in the lower leagues, but all of it's being like overlooked because again, you didn't, you didn't go take the right path, right? You didn't mm -hmm. go to college and get drafted super high. You didn't come from Europe. Right. And, you know, have a huge name behind you or have a sick resume. Like it's crazy. That's all. It's truth, bro. It's hard truth that I know, you know, everyone that's played in the system knows, but I don't really think that, america or the audience of soccer knows you know um so it's crazy to hear this it's frustrating because we one where we're already not a top nation when it comes to soccer but on top of that we're not a nation that's taking care of our players providing opportunities for our players it's clear to show why we're not really good at soccer why are we not elevating this the quality of our leagues or of our just soccer level in general I, I just think like we talked kind of talked about it before right like stats right like all that stuff is quantified yeah uh, and kind of um is kind of like the standard right so like when i came into with the galaxy right there were like guys who had gotten drafted and i had played i had like played more games than but i was still the one let go yeah, and I, I get it. There's lots of reasons why, you know, business decisions, you know, bringing other people in. But guys who had been there just as long as me, gotten like zero to no burn, right? Mm -hmm. But but stay in the rotation, get a, get a lot of opportunities just because of how the process goes. And so, um, 
and I, I, not just like it's, it's just in general, right? I'm not yeah. pointing, at, pointing at people and saying names, but I think the way they quantify is like, okay, you came from this school, and so you get like X amount of time. You got drafted kind of high, so we're gonna give you a lot of leeway. You know, it's kind of like um, I don't know, it's kind of like uh, like the Kwame Brown uh thing, right? Like he didn't do so well in, uh, going forward, but they kept him in the league, you know, because, you know, he's a number one overall draft pick. And yeah. I, think, I think at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? Like whether you like him as a player or not, um, when you're talking about stats, like his stats don't really like bear the fruit of someone who should have stayed in the league as long as he did. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I just think it's stuff like that. Right. Um, Soccer's a little different. I, I feel like people could could quantify it a little differently, but yeah, I think we give a lot of lot of leeway to guys who get drafted high and don't really have a lot, don't really offer enough to keep them around. And it's crazy about the draft whole draft pro- process is that the MLS draft is for show, bro. These kids that get drafted, one come from the college system, most of them, which is that doesn't really give us the best talent you know as of now there's good talent i'm sure the guys that get drafted are hella good but so these guys who get drafted don't are not guaranteed a contract so what the fuck is the point what what is the point of having a draft you know is it yeah yeah it's something that it just for clout for shows to be like the nfl to be like the nba and it's totally unnecessary it doesn't need we don't need to have a combine like for what Well, like I said, they're following a model that they've seen work in other, mm-hmm. other industries, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what they're doing. They're just replacing football with soccer, replacing basketball with soccer. Yeah. Um, you know, and for, for the MLS, it, they, they seem to like it and that's the way it works for them. But, I, like, obviously, I think they could do a lot better. Yeah. Because, um, like I said, there's a lot of great players, especially in the lower leagues, who aren't getting a chance. Like, if you went – down to a Sunday league, there's there's several players, right? That you'd be like, oh, like you belong on a team. Mm-hmm. Like you should be playing somewhere. <laughs> but you know. yeah, it just comes. It comes to not having access, bro. Like n- these, we have all these talents, we have all these players, this potential, but we don't have them. We don't have anywhere for them to play. We don't have any of them anywhere to provide for an American player to develop here. You know, just because we charge a premium to teach soccer. Then if you want to get some private training up to pay for that too, then go to these tournaments, you got to pay that too. Then that comes with a gas expense, hotel expense, bro. How, 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 you know, lower income family supposed to do that? How is my mom, a single mother supposed to do that? You know, pay for all that. Not even if she can't pay for that, how is she supposed to bounce around to take me to practice? Take me to this. It's just unnecessary. It's just unrealistic. And that's not how we're going to develop talent. And it goes back to the youth clubs, the youth leagues are, oh, we're the best league, we're the best league. But like, no, no one's providing full access to soccer. So my theory and my firm belief is that we have to pu- we have to fund the public schools, bro. And the reason why I believe in this, because I worked in New York City at the Success Academy soccer program and Success Academy is a network of schools and they've implemented soccer in the everyday curriculum of the child and it soccer is an elective and we can do this for every sport basketball football baseball but if a kid if you give access to everybody at the public school we'll be able to recruit 
them by not just recruit them, but keep track of players by districts. And yes, I understand like everything's huge in America and we do have an identity crisis because there's so many people here. But if we, if the MLS and the Federation were all were to come under one umbrella and were to send out trainers that represent both the U S soccer and the MLS in these 25 cities plus in its 20 plus cities that we have, where we have an MLS team, I think that's somewhere where we can start. We can start giving access to soccer, middle and elementary, middle school, high school, and it'll be a feeding system. You know, we give them a better amateur and college program, reform the college problem, make it youth round, uh, year round. And we also have to change the NCAA, bro, like the whole um, eligibility stuff limits a player's growth, limits uh, the options a player has. So think about it. If a player is not highly recruited, and he's on the verge of like, what well, you know, he's on he's on the fence. So what do I do now? Do I play community college? The fact that he the eligibility thing is playing in his head, it's holding him back because he's not able to go talk to an agent or actually get the right re, right guidance to get to the next level. Right. Um, me, I mean, me personally, I think the whole college system is is putting a strain on the overall uh, development of uh, u.s soccer mm-hmm. so like so like soccer club soccer is not perfect but club soccer you're gonna uh, in california at least you're gonna find some very talented kids mm-hmm. very talented kids any of which you can go anywhere in europe and sign with the sign with the a, 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 a club team as a, as a youth and work their way up and make some pretty good money have a pretty good career X, Y, and Z, but you, but to me, their growth as players stop as soon as they're done and they go into the college system because all they're taught how to do is win. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to my little brother passed. I went and played at uh, Wake Forest, so they had a a um, a vigil for him, right? A little kind of like vigil. They had a whole ceremony for him, it was super dope. Me and my sister went, and so afterwards, the boys on the team. Um, asked me to, if they want, if I wanted to come out and knock the ball around with the boys. So I'm like, bet. Like, I got, I got brought my boots. So I don't even know why I had soccer boots at the time, but I had boots in <laughs> Carolina with me. So, so I strapped them up and we we start playing and the game was moving. And I'm I'm three minutes in and I'm I, I, like I'm just seeing people run everywhere, run everywhere, run everywhere. And before I knew it, I, I realized what they were doing. They're doing patterns. Yeah. They're doing short side game and they're doing mm-hmm. patterns up back through it was oh man it was so annoying playing against Wake Forest because that's all they did bro they didn't they play such a robotic style of soccer successful in the college level but is that the right yeah Pat that is shocking to me that you noticed that because I played right back one game against Wake Forest and I was getting cooked bro because they would boom boom (laughs) boom ping it and they'll over me every single time and boom, 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 other side, ping it. And it's just like, bro, like, how do we, they never put down the ball and it's a trade. Yeah. It's And and that's what the whole college system is. What you were saying is true that, you know, coaches know that they have the most athletic kids. So why play a style system that is attractive when you just be direct and just go at people and be more, the more athletic team. Well, like it doesn't, it doesn't suit you. Right to learn how to knock the ball because you because you you as a coach right you get another set of players every year so yeah mm-hmm. you have you know 
the kids are in their fr uh, freshman, uh, sophomore, and junior year, but you're, but you're, you know, your seniors they age out, and then you got then you got the incoming freshmen who you have to train and mm -hmm. teach them to think. Mm -hmm. Or I can teach you a pattern. You don't have to think, right? That's setting us so far back. I've never even seen it like that, bro. But that's such a good, such a good point because. That's how a lot, I'll say like 80% of these college programs are. Anyone could beat anyone. Anyone could go out there and put an organized team and do this. Yeah. I mean, and, what it comes down to. And it, it comes down to us not playing a good level of soccer, us not playing enough games in the college system. So, you know, the college system is, yeah, it's not where we want to send our best players. And I actually talked to one of my boys yesterday and I, I recorded an episode with him he used to play for the red bull and i was at fordham and he was telling me i asked him i'm like yo was is the level better now or was it better when we played back in 09 to 2012 and he's like bro i couldn't tell you what I, he's like what because he's like what i could tell you is that anyone could beat anyone because there's no more difference makers and i'm like what do you mean and he's like yeah there's you know there's not that that uh Marisa, Marisa do or someone that can just unlock players, you know, and it's because they're going to the USL. A lot of these younger kids are not are skipping college and going to the USL. So the one that's good news to me, music to my ears, because that, that goes to show you our promising talent is not going to college because we figure out that's not the best way to do it. it, it it's tough, right? So in the college system, right, like I, I told you, they don't really teach them how to how to play. They teach them patterns, right? Yeah. Uh, so from a, a coach's standpoint, you got to do that uh, just to keep your job. Yeah. Right? Like if you don't win, you don't have a job and now you're relocating, mm -hmm. which is part of the coaching game in general. Right. Mm -hmm. Relocating just like players do. Yeah. Um, but on top of what you're saying, there's not enough games. Right. So you literally uh, you work and you play uh, what all from what? Uh, like it's three months for you play September, September to like November. Yeah. And then you're, then you're off for like two months. Then you come back, you have a spring season, but you can only play limited games. You can only play limited uh, hours. Right. Bro, it's so, it, the spring season is, is worse than Sunday league is not even a, it's a waste of time, bro. It's the fact that you can only train X amount of hours and the, you can only, you could only, the coaches can only see their players X amount of days. Where the hell in the where where are they doing this? Where else in the world are they doing this? Where they're limiting our play? That is, on ah man, that's frustrating. But again, that's that's the, to me that's the difference where between in, in Europe, right? Like if you're if you're 16, right, and you got some talent, you're with you're with the team. You maybe may not even be a good team, but the fact that you're playing with adults, the fact that you're playing with people who are thinking faster, moving faster your 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 learning curve is going to be much much faster right you're going to pick things up a lot a lot smoother so when you're 18 or let's say 22 right because that's when most people got to college yeah as a 22 year old in 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 the states right you have to start where that 16 year old did yeah right so the learn like you're, you're two steps behind right at meanwhile our counterparts are in full swing. They're having the mm -hmm. best years of life. They're fit. They know how to take care of themselves. They know how to uh, rehab. They know how to eat. They're they professionals to, by sixteen. They they know how to, they know how to play the game. They ha they know how to think and process things. And that's not, to me that's the difference. We lose so much time with college. To me, you know, the college college route 
um, is good for some, especially if you you feel like you know you enjoy playing soccer, but that's not where your heart is, or mm-hmm. you don't think you can uh, you know get your school paid for. It. But mm-hmm. but for, to me, the guys who you know plan on doing more, yeah. a little literally a waste of time. I mean, it, it has it serves its purpose, but learning the game. Yeah, no, a hundred, bro. I can attest to it. I went to Boston College four years, had a rough four years. Not because I wasn't good enough. Not because the coaches didn't like the way I played. Uh, I can confidently say I was top three best players every single year, bro. And I would put my head down, grind it out. But it was such a complete waste of time. It killed my morale. It killed my development. It killed my love for the game. And it's not just, it wasn't just me, you know, it was, we had seven fresh, seven freshmen on our team, bro. And probably like five of them by the second year, we're like, bro, this guy is not it. This program's not it. But at that time we're in too deep already halfway through college. And it's just, a lot of these programs, bro, a lot of these programs sell dreams. And like you said, it's not, it's not, if soccer, if you want to play professional soccer, definitely, definitely don't think that college soccer is the number one priority for you because it is going to stunt your growth um, as a player. And it just has so many distractions, bro. School, girls, drinking, living on your own. This is stuff that you're balancing. And we look at Europe, these kids, like you said, they're taking care of their bodies. They're taking care of being a professional. It's such a different lifestyle that no way, no, no, no way and no how we're going to brew top quality talent if it, if the system is like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, man. But like, like, like you pointed out earlier, man, you can go the, you can skip college and go to the professional route with the USL. And my, the other issue I have with that is it's tough because you gotta you gotta really watch uh, what teams you go for. Because to me, like I, I, a lot of these teams are playing money ball, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to get the best possible product for the least amount of money. And so they'll they'll tie you into a like a, a two year deal when you're yeah. op- your option, and they always pick up your option. So that's three years, and if you know with the promise or the kind of similar to what happened to me right like uh like oh we like you if you do well and you come uh you could do well we'll bring you back right mm-hmm. and that's kind of the dream they said like hey you know we'll sign to this deal and if you do really well for this team you know we'll pull you up to the top team but the reality is is like the top team already has a full roster yeah right the top team already has a full roster they may be able to bring up you know a player or two uh maybe like a handful of people for uh for training but the reality is only one or two are going to actually make the cut, but that's the dream they sell everybody. And so it's really, uh, you know, incumbent on everybody to kind of do your, kind of, you know, do your research and, and really think about what you're, what you're signing. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't want to get stuck into a three-year deal and not get any burn. You're three years older and you're still not making nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's tough. Yeah, man. It's definitely a tough path to pro. And it's even a tougher path staying in the pros here in America if you're an American player. Yeah. So, yeah. so clearly the system is flawed. The system is unfair. The system is just not designed to – it's not designed for the American player to succeed in America. It's shocking, yes, 
But at the end of the day, bro, we still have great talent, right? We mm-hmm. have, I feel like back to where I was, what I was saying earlier on the podcast is that we have 10 plus players that played in the Champions League. You know, 10 years ago, how many players were playing in the Champions League? I, I couldn't name you one, bro. So the fact that we're breaking barriers, the fact that, you know, we're having more European players playing in Europe is cool. But also, I don't think we should be, you know, tapping ourselves in the back, patting ourselves in the back because of that. I think that we should really focus now on having a balance of American players from the MLS, from the USL in our system. Not just, not just, you know, have to rely on the Pulisic, on the McKinney's and on, on these guys, you know, because what if, what if Pulisic can't show up, you know, and I just feel like we're banking too much on our outside foreign talent. We have to invest more on our domestic, domestic talent yeah, here in America. And my, before, I think we covered a lot. And I think, you know, before we, I let you go and we, I wanted to ask you, um, we have, we have the world cup coming this year. We just beat Mexico. We just beat Mexico right now. So that's promising. We haven't beat Mexico in a while. So with the world cup coming next year, where do you think we're going to be realistically in the next two, three years? I mean, I mean, right now for me, the large, but the bar is kind of low, right? Like, can we, can we qualify? Like that, that's yeah. Can we qualify? That's, mm-hmm. that's where I'm starting. Um, but I, I believe that we have a lot of talent, man. Like from top to bottom, and, and it's crazy on how many, how many sports we actually like in the in the U.S. We actually divide up all our talent. And we're still able to to create a lot of unbelievable talent coming out. Very good point. In soccer, right? Like just imagine LeBron. You know, someone six eight. Uh, you know, 240 running down the field. Obviously, you probably wouldn't be 240 running down the field. But, <laughs> um, but you know, the, the kind of athletes we have in here, and we split them up between football, basketball, soccer, track, um, and we dominate. So um, yeah. I think I think the, the future is promising. I just think we need to, like, kind of get out of our own way and stop overthinking things. Um, I, I felt like that was a little bit with the with the coaches in the past um overthinking things you know trying to make turn water into wine you know kind of yeah. thing um yeah I, I mean like some of the some of the coaches that we've had in the past like um uh what, what's what's the guy at uh, lafc bob bradley bob bradley right had a, had a great run we didn't play amazing soccer right mm-hmm. we didn't overthink it <clears throat> yeah and I like in some people that say we don't we don't have a style. That's a style. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? One thing I interviewed Sachi Hot uh episode uh, episode I did an episode with him yesterday and he told me when you think of the US, when you think of the Bob Bradley's the Boost Arena, the US always rises to the occasion. We're always gonna work, we're always never gonna be an easy win. So I definitely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean I I, I think can, it's like one of those things when you talk about comparing yourselves to other people, right? Like, you know, you, you're trying to, if you're, if you're trying to make shoes like Nike, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not really going to pan out well for you. Yeah. So do, do you make you shoes the way you make them? Make sure. I, I, I also think it was a lot of pressure on the coaches, on the prior coaches of the U S soccer, because we weren't anything. We would not, you know, we were just becoming 
an influential nation. So I feel like they have so much pressure to tr try and find an identity that they they try to come, they try to do things from Germany or they, where we just don't, we just got to keep it simple. We're a blue collar nation. So we got to play a blue collar style of soccer. You know, we have a, the athleticism, we have the talent, we can score, we're big as hell, we're fast as hell. So I think we just have to just keep it simple. Yeah, and get out our own way, like you said. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just my, my personal take on it. I think, I think you know, working hard is a style. Maybe not pretty, maybe not be what you want to see, mm -hmm. um, but, but it's effective. And at the end of the day, you know, when you when you lean into something, you can start to finesse it any way you want to. Mm -hmm. We can learn how to play, uh, you know, quote unquote, beautiful soccer, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, we, you know, we can't negate working hard. We can start to finesse that any way we want to. Um, but yeah, man, um, I think uh, the future is always bright with with the amount of talent and the and the uh, resources we have here, as far as uh, you know. Uh, um, technology and everything that uh, supplements mm -hmm. and everything that comes with being in the U.S. Uh, having the best of everything, but you know, it's all about you know handling your business. Yes, sir, man. Well said, man. And this this was a good one. This is a great episode, man. Wow, a lot of knowledge that you share that I feel like is gonna help a lot of young up and coming players, man. Uh, just what to expect behind the scenes, you know uh adversity everything you went through man wow bro like man yeah man I, I i all my respect to you bro on your career because at the end of the day you're an american success you're an american product you did it the american way bro and you're you know you should be proud of yourself i'm sure your parents are looking down on you your brother's looking down on you proud man because you had a stellar career and i want to give you your flowers and i want to thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your knowledge I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me, man. It was good, uh, good talking. This is my first podcast, so um, definitely uh, look forward to hearing more from you, man. I hope to take this podcast and keep growing, and I want to get, you know, a few in-persons. I want to change the vibe, you know, instead of doing this, yeah. you know, I eventually do it in-person. So I plan to be in L.A. mid-July, man. I would love to have – I'm going to rent out a studio. I would love to bring you in, maybe do a part two, dive in more into – what you were saying about behind the scenes because you have man so much to tell i feel like so much to share still and we have so much to listen to yeah yeah no uh, whatever you need man i'm here for you my brother thank you bro like i said thank you take care bro um this is mike randolph la's la galaxy legend chino hills legend socal legend peace i uh, appreciate it, my guy my guy